Welcome, Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. I'm John Ledyard from PewterReport.com. With me today is Scott Reynolds of PewterReport.com on a victory Monday for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as they take down the division rival Atlanta Falcons. 30-17 to 17 yesterday in a Sunday afternoon game. The Bucs improved to 9-3 and three on the season. They've got a stranglehold on the division, Scott. Everything's looking up for Tampa Bay. Three straight wins, two on the road. They've scored 30-plus in all of them. It looks great, Scott. So we're, of course, going to start today's show by talking about COVID and injuries. Just what uh, everybody yeah. wants to hear about. It was a newsy Monday today, right? I mean, this was... Peter Report was Monday. breaking some news today, Scott. Yeah, we were. So... Um, Let's. Uh, where do you want to start, John? Because there's a lot to discuss. There is. I always want to start with our friends over at Celsius. Because you know okay. why, Scott? Celsius powers active lives every day with essential functional energy. And I didn't have that essential functional energy yesterday. I was dragging on that post-game pod, but I'm ready to roll now thanks to my wild berry. No sugar and yet unbelievable taste in these Celsius energy yeah, drinks, Scott. I don't know how Celsius does it. Yeah, I mean, I'm rocking the Fuji Apple Pear today. Uh, it's it's one of my top fives, and so I'm, I'm like to mix it up. I like the orange. It's it's definitely number one. But the great thing is, is there's so many flavors, John. You know, there's even a cola flavored. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's incredible how they pull these flavors off. You mentioned the wild berry. It tastes like you threw a bunch of berries in your mouth. It just does. Uh, right. This Fuji Apple Pear feels like I was chewing on an apple, then a pear, then an apple, then a pear. The flavor is amazing, and the energy is amazing, too. And the great thing is there's no sugar crash. As John mentioned, there's no sugar in it. There's no preservatives. So it's fantastic energy drink. Find out where to get them. Click those banners on pewterreport.com, the Celsius banners. Type in your zip code, and it'll serve as a, as a store locator for you. You can also buy them in bulk on Amazon and do the subscribe and save. You can save money. Then they actually ship it right to your door. That's the best thing is once you know the flavors you like, order them on Amazon. Click the subscribe and save, and then they'll come to you every couple of weeks, every week, every month, whatever you want to set the setting at. So Celsius.com, store locator, click those banner ads on PeterReport.com, and try a Celsius today. Yeah, Zach Jarvis says, tropical vibe, the best Celsius. Got him through work today. That's great to hear, Zach. Uh, this wild berry is sustaining me as well, especially through all the news that's happened today, Scott. Let's start with the COVID list. Zach Triner, yeah. uh, Peter Report, uh, published a story a few minutes ago uh, that Zach Triner has been placed on the COVID list. Uh, that's for the, the, long Bucks, the long snapper. Yes, the long yeah. snapper. And what adds another interesting wrinkle to this is they just got him back from injured reserve. Right. And uh, by the way, the team has just announced it as well. They just sent out an yeah. email. So, um, he has been back for what, two weeks, I want to say. And they released Carson yes. Tinker who had been filling in for him for many right. weeks while, uh, after, uh, Triner went on injured reserve in week one, but now Tinker got picked up by the Raiders last week. So he's not available right. for the bucks just to grab back up. So now it's going to be to option number three on the season at long yeah. snapper for the bucks. Yeah. And the thing is, is Tinker did a good job. You know why we say that? Cause you didn't hear about him. That, that's yep. what you want from a we long all snapper. forgot Triner wasn't there that's right that's what you want as a long snapper is nobody to know who you are or what you do because if they do that means you have had a bad snap you gave up uh, a blocked punt you 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 know you rolled the the ball back to the holder for the placement for a pat or or a, a field goal so uh it's better for these guys to live in anonymity but we have to mention the name zach Triner today because he's on the COVID list so yep. the bucks will be looking at they've got a short list i'm sure of, of people to to bring in for either tryouts or if they've tried out somebody 
they'll sign somebody off the street and uh, get him in here for for Sunday's game. Right, and that's the key. I mean, Schreiner can play. Like, it's possible that he could play yeah. by Sunday, but he would need, as a vaccinated player, he's going to need two negative tests yeah. 24 hours apart. Either. Right, so. and he can't practice, so they're going to need to sign yeah. somebody for practice purposes at least, just in case yeah. he can't play. So it remains to be seen what's going to happen with Triner, but that's the only news that we have on the COVID front for the Bucks. So I guess that part right. of it's good, but you always are wait and see with these things once something happens. We did also have injury news today, Scott. Yeah. As, uh, yeah, you had a little bit of inf- information on uh, the status of Jordan Whitehead uh, moving forward for the Bucks. Yeah, exactly. And do what Michael Henderson suggests. As soon as you enter the room, hit the like button and subscribe yeah. to Peter Report TV. We appreciate that, Michael. Any updates on Jordan Whitehead? Yes, uh, Peter Report is reported today. John, you wrote the story that Jordan Whitehead is not going to be placed on injured reserve as of right now. That's a good sign because with the new cool injury reserve rules, uh, it's not a season-ending injury anymore that, that causes players to be placed in injured reserve. It can free up a roster spot for as little as three months. I'm sorry, three weeks, not even a month. So right. that that's that's the great thing about, about COVID. If you're looking for a silver lining in this pandemic, at least there's been some rule changes in the NFL that have benefited the teams and have benefited the game. And I think this is one that really needs to stick around. Uh, is is this new COVID rule where you can put a player on for as little as three weeks. And so the fact that they're not going to do that for Whitehead uh, tells us at Peter Report that that uh, this injury, that there's a chance he probably won't play against Buffalo, but there's a chance he could come back in the second uh, week that he would miss mm-hmm. for that Saints game on Sunday Night Football at Tampa, John. Yeah, for sure. And so you will just kind of wait and see with Jordan Whitehead, but uh, the Bucks survived it well. I mean, Andrew Adams really was, you hardly heard his name. Speaking of guys right. that came in, you yeah. hardly heard his name. <laughs> you know, he barely had to do anything. Antoine Winfield's played terrific other than, I guess he had five missed tackles yesterday. I noticed a couple. I, yeah. I didn't know it was five. That's crazy. I've actually never, I don't know if I've ever seen five on a listed side. I've seen players like screw up five tackles, but yeah. never like five, just actual Started misses, off you know? really cold. Like yeah, I, yeah. his first quarter exactly. was not good, but I tell you, I thought he got better as the game went on. Yeah. And uh, his coverage you know, was great. His coverage is great. Exactly. Yeah. So the other bit of news today, Peter report didn't break this. Bruce Arians did during his, his press conference is Richard Sherman uh, going to, to be cross-trained at safety this week. They've had to do that with Ross Cockrell. They did that back in training camp, John, when you, you know, you and I were there and, and they just didn't have some bodies to start the the uh, the training camp. So Ross Cockrell had to cross train there, and it actually did quite well in practice. So he's got experience and, and actually played a handful of snaps there yesterday. Uh, but they're short on bodies with Whitehead out due to injury, with Edwards out due to his uh, suspension. He's got two more weeks uh, left on that. They need another body. So with mm-hmm. Richard Sherman coming back from that calf injury, he's got the size – at six foot three, about 200 pounds to, to get in there. And, uh, but it's an interesting type of situation. I think he's got the smarts to do it. He's got the temperament to do it. He's got the size to do it, but John, he has almost exclusively been an outside corner, right? For most of his career. He <laughs> hasn't much been a nickel corner. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a lot. It's a lot because I do see what Michael's saying there just in terms of about some of the ability, especially for a guy who's played a lot of zone in his career. Yeah. You know, when you're zone heavy corner, usually that transitions a lot easier to safety because most of the time safety, especially I'm assuming he's going to be mostly a, he would be mostly a deep safety, either too high or they rotate and he plays yeah. one high. But 
I, that's still asking a lot. I mean, A, the ground to cover at his limited athleticism, but B, Sherman has never been like a quick twitch guy. So, yeah, you know, that's really important when you're playing in the single high position anyway. So it would probably yeah. limit how flexible they can be with their alignments. Yeah. My guess is Sherman would be like a late game, you know, two high shells. You know what coverage you're dropping it back into every play, prevent yeah. type defense where he maybe he can make a play on the ball you know not right. having you know they're playing you're playing quarters and he's not responsible for that much of an area of the field but his ball skills and his size could show up at the catch point yeah you know those kind of situations which is really how ross cockerel played a little bit yesterday too i think i mean it was just right. kind of obvious pass situation safety not gonna yeah. ask him to like run fill or do things like that out of it so in either way it'll probably be an emergency situation you know if yeah. whitehead can't play this week though that's where things get interesting because i hear what they're saying about ir i still don't know that whitehead plays this week scott i, I still I think that part sounds pretty in pretty decent question and yeah. so if he doesn't then you've obviously got adams and cockerel available to you for this week but outside of that you don't really have anything at safety so you're kind of one injury away from being you know and the bucks like the, right. they played some three safety they played some dime and the bills What's another thing about the Bills is they don't hardly ever run the ball. So more four wide receiver sets, more spreading the the field. Yeah, all those things are going to be in factor here. So having more DBs available to you than than ever before this season is going to be really important, I think. Yeah. Marissa asks, any word on SMB? Uh, It didn't sound like it was going to be a serious injury at all. Bruce Arians kind of – you know, said, yeah, we don't anticipate that being a, an issue at all. So that that is good news because he went down. Jamel Dean, however, um, is in the, code of the, the protocol for um, concussion. And sounded like Bruce was very optimistic about his chances of clearing that in time for Sunday's game. John, mm-hmm. it's like the cornerbacks finally got healthy. Now it's the safety's turn to miss some games. They can't yeah. have the cornerbacks dropping like flies either. Yeah, it seems. I mean, even if Dean clears, they need Whitehead to get back. And sounds like SMB's fine. That's good. Carlton Davis and Winfield are out there. So it still seems decently unlikely you'll have all five starting defensive backs out there for this week. We'll have to just right. see. And Whitehead for Wednesday, Thursday, Friday will be telling days on Whitehead. We just need to be patient there. But it does sound like Dean could clear protocol, which I think is really big. You know, we've not talked about it probably even enough. We did have a period of time where we talked about, it, I think after the Eagles game and yeah. maybe, but he's just really played well this season. You know, I, there's always going to be the moments with Dean that are like, what are we doing? Especially in right. zone coverage, but in man coverage, he's really been pretty good. You ask him to play in, in less space. And I think he, he just gets good. I mean, he's, he's played really, really well. He made a great pass breakup on third down right. in the in the end zone that people kind of have already forgotten about from this past game. I think I, I almost did. I was looking back through the plays and, yeah, he's just played well. He's played great, and I think he's clearly played better than Sean Murphy Bunting. So, A, it's good to have Dean out there for a matchup like the Bills. It's crucial to have him out there. But, B, if it means we get to – you know, that you can limit Murphy Bunting some and his exposure some as it was this past game. He didn't play every snap or even close to this this past game. If you can limit him some, I think it's going to bode a lot better for your pass defense. Yeah, and the thing, too, is one of the guys that played really well, and, and, and Tom Buck's fan, I'll, I'll acknowledge, yeah, Rondé Barber did adjust to safety. At age 37, his final year That's in Tampa Bay, he played free safety for uh, for the Greg Schiano Buccaneers. Actually played quite well for a 37-year-old defensive back who had the smarts to switch positions. He just, you know, he's such a cerebral player. And the physicality, too. He had 92 tackles, uh, four interceptions, a pick six, and uh, a forced fumble. So Rondé went out with the bang. Even though the Bucs weren't that good that year, he certainly – accepted the challenge and did that. Uh, Pierre Desaire, though, John, you know, he's he's a player that if you look at his limited opportunities the last couple of weeks, you know, he had the, the game-clinching interception in Indianapolis. That was a sweet moment for him being a former mm-hmm. Colt. 
Yeah. And then with the first play he comes in for Jamel Dean forces a fumble and ended up having five tackles. Uh, I thought he played really well. I even put him on the most impressive list, even of a Carlton Davis, because Davis gave up some plays. I thought he played excellent in the second half. And John turns out pro football focus, which is not the end all be all, but, but they had a, a pretty good grade on him as well. Yeah. They gave him like a 90. I think he had the highest grade on the defense, highest grade on the team from that fast game. Obviously, you know, you look at his his role compared to other guys, and it's not maybe as significant, but he played right. about 22, 23, 24 snaps, something like that, and, yeah. and played well. And he's played pretty well overall. He's clearly passed up Delaney, and I think that's a good thing. Delaney did not play very well when he was out there. Desir is obviously yeah. more experienced. It was just going to be a matter of time until he passed up Delaney, I felt like, once he got the defense. So that's been a positive. And then he probably is passive Sherman a corner too. And I'm not so sure that he isn't better than Sean Murphy bunting. Um, obviously he's not going to play over him unless an injury happens. And so we'll just to kind of wait and see how that all plays out if Murphy bunting can get back to that playoff form that he showed or not. But I agree with Vortex here. I think Dean's played great this year, but the yeah. guy who came back is we're on this secondary right now and, and played just, I thought unbelievable football considering he's been out for as long as he's been Carlton Davis. I know he missed two tackles yeah. and that, crazy weird reception at the end of the game happened that I've, I don't think I've ever quite seen a throw catch like that. That was very bizarre on that particular and then, route. Then what a, on the next play, he has a chance for an interception. Yeah, right? he drops the pick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he had three pass breakups in this game. I don't think yeah. we've, uh, other than Dean, you know, Dean has played well and he's had gotten his hands on some balls this season, but that's just a great game for a corner. And some yeah. of his pass breakups were like, great plays i mean he's diving full extension on pits on, on, right. on over route across the whole field you know yes. he's diving full extension and knock one away on a third down i believe you know he's he was just playing great breaks on that one yeah. and drops at the end of the game he could have had a pick there to seal it but i thought he was just outstanding uh, in this game and having him back is just so important for the bucks and they're able to do some different things coverage wise and they don't worry about him you as know much what as john corners. i agree with you and i think with his pedigree and his track record I think that game two for him coming back this week against Buffalo is going to be even better where it's it wasn't okay. necessarily the same thing with Sean McBunting, yeah. right? Cause it's like, no. Sean's in a very up and down player. He's striving for consistency. The bucks would love for him to be a more consistent player, but he comes out, gets tested very much like Carlton Davis did right off the bat, right? He's the, the cold corner hasn't played in weeks against the giants. He was tested and I thought he responded pretty well, but then struggled against the Colts. And, and I don't think really stood out yesterday. Um, against the Falcons. So I think, though, with Carlton Davis, you're going to see him get better and better as the weeks go along. He's just a, a more steady and, and consistent performer for the Bucks. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. What Carlton Davis has done has been instrumental for this team. I called him the defensive MVP last year. I know yeah. some people kind of laughed at me because obviously he wasn't one of the bigger names, but I just think he's that valuable. It's not not saying he's the best player or was the best player last year. At least this year he might have a case. We'll see. Yeah. Um, but I just think he's that valuable to them in terms of what he allows them to do. It changes some things, and it takes away some top options. Now, Stephon Diggs next week is going to be a huge challenge, and we'll talk yes. about that at length on Wednesday because that is the type of receiver that's challenging and for anybody if they're going to play more man coverage. Yeah. But especially for Davis as a bigger corner you know guy that's so sh a little bit slighter and shiftier like Diggs is a challenge so we'll talk about yeah. that on Wednesday there will be tough challenges down the road for him and for the Bucs secondary in general but thought it was encouraging because if Davis and Winfield can keep playing like this and kind yeah. of keep arrow up even if Dean is kind of hits that rocky road and has the slump a little bit for a game or two here they might be able to weather it 
if you can get Whitehead back, you kind of know what you're getting from him and the role that they've found for him in this defense. You kind right. of see the trajectory Winfield's on. You see the trajectory Davis is on. All of a sudden, you start to have a little bit more answers in the secondary. And you, I could see a possibility where you have a group on the rise going into the playoffs if they're healthy yeah. in terms of performance, playing back together, and everybody kind of hitting their stride at once. The question is going to be whether the scheme allows them to kind of play to that level right. consistently, especially Davis, who's so an impressed man. Jason Light was under some some pressure from outside the building and inside the building to make a move, to really go out and, and make a trade, give up some future draft capital for a cornerback. And mm-hmm. um, and he resisted. You know? yeah. But I, I think the moves that he and John Spitek and, and, and Rob McCartney have made, the pro personnel side, getting Richard Sherman, getting – Getting Pierre Desaire, I think I think they've done enough to kind of band aid yeah. and 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 uh, hold that that secondary together with with rubber cement and and thumbtacks yeah. uh, to get to this point. And at the end of the day, it's it's been good enough to get the Bucks to nine and three. Mm-hmm. And I yeah, think that, that that should be applauded. And the other thing too is is you know there was there's some talk about trading for Stefan Gilmore. I mean, he would have absolutely wrecked the salary cap for the Buccaneers, not yeah. just this year, but in the future. I mean, you're talking about if you bring on a Stefan Gilmore, who's 30, by the way, um, what are you going to pay Carlton? And in which, which big name player, Chris yeah. Godwin, Ryan Jensen, um, you know, uh, who, who are you going to lose? Because right. it, it's going to be one of those type of situations. Rob Gronkowski, not coming back. It would mm-hmm. be one of those big name player for player type of things. And, there's no guarantee that Gilmore's a fit in the Bucks locker room. He's mm-hmm. a fit in this defense. Uh, it's, His age, he's coming off a significant season and exactly. injury that required almost a year of rehabilitation. Yeah, there were exactly. lots of question marks there. Plus, you know, people kind of overlooked this, but Gilmore went home. Like that's where he's playing now. Like yeah. he's playing closer to where to home. That's where he wa- he wanted to be there yeah. because a he wanted to be closer to home, but b he wanted a situation he could leverage in the offseason. He couldn't leverage yeah. the Bucs. They're only going to have right. so much money to give him. But he's now got an in in Carolina. They've got yep. money, so he can say, hey, this team's offering me this. What are you going to do? Well, the Bucs couldn't have done anything. Yep. Now he's looking at a situation where he's got an in and he can potentially make yep. one more. Speaking of home, let's do a roll call, right? We said we would do this today. Oh, that's right. Mark, we got about 160 people in the chat right now. Let's do a roll call here. We got uh, Callum Shaw from uh, Liverpool, England. Oh yes, Calum's in here all the time too. Yes. he's always yep. watching the show. Yeah, so let's let's. So if wherever you're from, just drop it in the chat. Wherever you're watching from, wherever you're we'll, from, we'll roll uh, through about a minute while John's talking. John yeah. can can hit a, a topic here and yeah. talk for about a minute. I'm going to be bringing everybody's uh, hometowns up here on the screen. So sounds good. Um, you know, this game to me defensively, I thought that it was re- the way that they kind of got it together a little bit was encouraging. Because the Falcons drove inside Bucks territory a lot in this game. But yep. the Bucks defense rose up in those situations, and especially pressure rose up in key situations. And although, they, yeah, they still gave up way too many third downs, and that's absolutely an issue, especially third and longs. Um, I think the fact that they were able to rise up in those situations was super encouraging because yeah, this is this is a team that is always going to be able to bend. They're always going to bend. As long as Bulls the defense coordinator, that's how they're going to play. There's going to be soft coverage. Once in a while, they'll have that game where team can't move the ball at all against them. But for the most part, teams are going to move the ball against the Bucs at their That's strength, right. at their best. With everybody healthy, it's going to be about whether they can rise up and make sacks. You think of the Vikings game last year, right? There were lots of success moving the ball for the Vikings, but they didn't get in the end zone very often. They missed a bunch of field goals too. But their philosophy is basically that they're going to make enough splash plays to offset any yardage that you gain. And it hasn't worked very often this season. 
because maybe because of the injuries, maybe just because it's a, a, a theory of philosophy with some holes in it logically, but it worked well against the Atlanta Falcons and you, you know, right. snub your nose at the opponent all you want. I get it. And we'll find out a lot against the bills, I think. Um, but that's the defensive approach that Bulls has kind of made a living by. And um, that's where the one where he's going to try to continue to thrive by the rest of the season, Scott. So to see them play kind of the way he wants them to play in those situations, to be able to make those splash plays, get five sacks, get a key turnover when the other team was in uh, Buccaneers territory, get the goal line stop. Those are all like hallmarks of Todd Bowles defense. You're not going to see a Bill Belichick type performance where the other team's quarterback just can't even, you know, right now the, Patriots are, I know they're playing weak competition, but they're just not doing anything. You know what I mean? Other teams against them in terms of through the air. That's not what you're going to see happen with a Bulls defense. They're going to stop the run. They're not going to let you score in one play for the most part, but the long drives can get you if you're not making those splash plays on some critical downs. No doubt about it. Guys, that was awesome. Thanks for that roll call. Holy smokes. We are are well represented across the country and around the world. I didn't really realize. I knew we we got a, a bunch of of uh, international fans, but John, we've got fans from all over the globe. That was fun. We'll do this another time. We appreciate that. We did see a super chat uh, in here. Let me go back to that. Thank you all for the roll call. That was fun. William Butler with the $5 super chat. William's always dropping these gems in here. Appreciate that. William. He says in your guys' opinion, because Bruce started stated a decision hasn't been made on AB status for the team. Do we need AB to win the super bowl? Um, I'm not ready to say they need him to win the Super Bowl, but it sure would help. That's yeah. that's the best way to put it, I think. Yeah. Well, and, and let's let's go back in time to last year, right? When when he was signed, he was signed as an insurance policy, right? I mean, back in in 2019, the Bucks lost Mike Evans against the Colts, and then against the Lions, lost both Chris Godwin and Scotty Miller down the stretch. So they played the last two games, I think three games of the season without Evans, the last two games of the season without Evans, Godwin, or Miller. So there's five games left, people. I'm not wishing any injuries upon anybody, but it might come down to when A.B. gets healthy and, and off his suspension, they might need him. There might be a big-time injury at wide receiver. Let's hope that there's not. But but um, so that that's why he's here. You know, uh, I was asked on, on WDA, you know, if the Bucks should cut him because of this. And I said, no, I said, he was brought in as a mercenary. He was brought in to catch passes and win games. He was not brought in to start a foundation, to be a community face. They've already got plenty of guys like that. Mike Evans is at the top of the list. Chris Goblin's right behind him. All right. Uh, they've got a bunch of good guys. He is a hired gun coming in to help win games, make big plays, provide insurance, be the star of the game, all of the above. And as, as long as, as he can do that for this team, this year, he'll continue to do it. And they'll look at next year, next year. And I think that if A.B. comes back, because some of the things that the Bucks kind of inherited from the A.B. situation, um, the civil suits, the issue with, mm. uh, you know, with, with the landlord or whatever, yeah. um, those were things that happened before he became a Buccaneer. But, John, this is the first thing that's happened while he's been a Buccaneer. Mm. And it might be a situation where if they want to bring A.B. back, you wait until the summer. You wait until training camp just to ensure that nothing happens in the offseason that might make you regret the decision. Yeah, we'll just have to see you on that. I have no clue how that's going to play out. This is yep. definitely throwing a wrench in my – I thought they would try to bring him back before this. Now I have no idea. I could see Arians just being like, 
totally pissed and not wanting to do it. But yeah. some funny comments here on Scotty Miller. Scotty Miller still on the team. Let's just talk about this since the AB things yeah. come up. One of the reasons that this has been so tough for the Bucs is figuring out a wide receiver three since AB's gone down. We actually thought, okay, they're pretty deep at wide receiver. They'll right. be okay. But then Scotty Miller was, got hurt. And so it was like, all right, they're not as deep as we thought. Tyler Johnson's going to have to step up. And he just really hasn't stepped up at all. Right. In fact, so so little has Scotty Miller stepped up that he's essentially been benched uh, as of now. You know, Bruce Arians could say what he wants. You know, Tyler's played great. Well, I don't yeah. think he's played that great in, in my eyes or his eyes because this is his stat line from the last Tyler Johnson. He had one right. catch for eight yards, three catches for 17 yards against Washington, one catch for eight yards against the Giants, one catch for nine yards against the Colts, one catch for five yards against the Falcons. He played nine snaps. He had been handling the wide receiver three duties by far until then, but he played yeah. one snap the other day. And so he just hasn't been getting open. It, when you watch all 22, he just isn't open very often. So right. they're trying to look at other options. I get it. But Brashad Perryman played 59 snaps. And Tyler Johnson played nine. And Scotty Miller played four. And Brashad Perryman had a drop his second one of the year, and he only has like five targets on the season. And he got one pass for six yards, I think. I'm just not like, what in the world does Brashad Perryman give you other than being physically larger? I don't even say plays larger. Arians talks about his blocking, but he doesn't yeah. really do that. I mean, Scotty drew a better block on that short yeah. ground catch last week. So what <laughs> Scotty has been in so much football at yeah. this point for the Bucs. He is, and he's he changed is so drunk. many games. He's I drunk am, on, on Brashad Perryman. He's drunk. I'm just confused. I know Scotty's not an all pro. I know that him right. leading the team and receiving at the midseason point last year, going into that week nine game against the Saints last year, that was a fluke because of injuries to, to a lot of different players. I, I understand that. I just still think that's a guy that's clearly talented, fits and works with Brady. You want to go vertical. You're picking Perryman to be that guy over Scotty, who's yeah. actually been doing it. And Perryman, I mean, the Jets don't want him. The Lions didn't want him. The Bears right. didn't want him. Those are three of the worst rosters yep. in the league. I and and listen, it. Tony, I get it. Miller is a one-trick pony. Can't do much else, but he does that pretty well. Now, granted, yeah. he he didn't run the best route in Indianapolis, but it was like also his first game back since yeah. week three, right? And so he came I mean, back and drew like the game-changing DPI, right? Like, exactly. He's open. That's a touchdown. Yeah. If that guy doesn't grab him, like. And and here's the thing. It's like there's a thing called recency bias, right? This might be a thing of like history bias <laughs> because right. Rashard Perryman, yeah, he balled out at the end of 2019, as Tom Bucks fan points out. Um, and that might be on Bruce Arians' mind. But, I mean, Scotty's done it more recently, John. Yeah, I mean, the, the Green Bay game last year, right? I mean, that was, that was 2020. Yeah. What Perryman's done is 2019. And as you mentioned, he hadn't done much since in this league right. or even in Tampa. It's just funny because the more opportunities Scotty's got, the better he's played. And yeah. when you gave him less opportunity, he still impacted and changed games for you twice in the yes. playoffs, obviously two huge plays Packers saints. Yeah. And then you talk about the Vikings game too. That kind of was a huge play in terms of just turning around their season in general. So right. I just, to me, it's like pretty obvious that that is a guy that you want to have in that role. will play a little bit more. Like this is a guy that could right. change the game in one play, change the Colts game in one play. We've seen it so many times. Change the Packers game in one play. Yep. That's just not we Brashad Perriman has had a couple opportunities since he's been here. But right. moreover, Brashad Perriman is a huge career body of work in which that didn't happen outside of like three games. Where oh, that, yeah, where, exactly. where that was the case for him. So 
again, I'm just I'm not saying Scotty Miller is like amazing or going to go for a thousand yards if he gets to play the wide receiver three role for a full season or anything like that. I'm just saying he's got a better chance at changing a game and making an impact play than Perryman, in my opinion. So I just John, I disagree with the decision. So I totally agree with you. And the thing is, is when you look at Scotty Miller, he played eight plays in Indianapolis, four in special teams and four in offense. He had the 37 yard DPI, as you mentioned, that was one of his four offensive plays. He recovered a key fumble in the yeah. Colts red zone as one of his four special teams plays. So when you can make two game changing plays out of eight, mm-hmm. that's a hell of a ratio, man. It really right. is. Yeah. You know? And I'll say this too, in, in defense of the box, not in this situation, but in general, the, what they've done in kind of response to the AB thing since Gronk's come back has been encouraging last year. They really didn't play Gronk in the slot a ton and they really didn't play yeah. him out wide a ton. That wasn't something that they did with him. And I was just checking out his numbers, looking at his alignments today, just from n- making notes during the game yesterday. And I was, I was right. Like that, even though and he's not play, he missed obviously a bunch of games with that injury. You right. know, he, he's not, he's going to still eclipse numbers last year out wide and in the slot at his current rate by a yeah. lot. He's going to have a lot more reps out wide and in the slot this season than he had all of last season, despite playing. Well, how many games did he miss? Six. Despite playing like those six less games, I believe. Um, he, I think he was out for. Is that right? Uh, this year, I think it we three, four, or four, five, six, seven. Yeah, maybe it's five games. Anyway, yeah. whatever five. he was out, he's still going to eclipse those reps. So they are taking right. him, and they're kind of saying, "We're going to use you almost as like a wide receiver yeah. three type of role. More, we're going to move you around. We're going to be more versatile with you." Bruce Aarons really has not had a tight end that he's done that with. You know, he mentions Heath Miller whenever people bring up. Yeah. He was mostly in line. Yeah, but Heath right, exactly. Heath Miller was a lot in line. He did not have the athleticism of a Gronkowski right. or the ball skills down the field vertically as a vertical yeah. threat like the Gronkowski does. So Bruce is kind of in and Leftwich too are kind of figuring out how to use Gronk to the best of his ability. And that's one of the reasons I think I don't think last year they necessarily always did it. You know, they, they had so many other guys that were working A B in. There was lots right. of things you were trying to figure out the backfield. I think there was lots of things that that whole group was going through. And this was kind of a like a late step in that. And I think you're seeing Gronkowski's production elevate because they're realizing this guy's still playing at an elite level. And I, I actually wrote this at the end. I'm going to toot my own horn here just because I don't Do think it. people realize Do it, John. Like, I mean, it was kind of like ridiculous last year how little people realized that Gronkowski, they were like, well, he's not as fast as he used to be. But I'm like, no, I mean, like he, he might look weird when he runs, but he's always looked weird when he runs. Yeah. That's never mattered. Like when right. do you see Gronkowski down the field where he's like, can't get away from somebody? He's always That's gets true. that separation yeah. late. Like it doesn't, yeah. it can be physically, it can be a burst he's, at the end. It can just be his reach, but yeah. he creates the separation in his way. It doesn't have to be aesthetically pleasing when you, Right. Already put together Hall of Fame career, and I he's think now not, the Bucks see that. And he's like, not like Travis Kelsey, but he's he's no. but he's not like Jason Witten. He's he's in between those guys where he's going to get a step on you. And the fact that he's six five with those long arms—that's all he needs. Right. One step means he's open, right? Kelsey might get two steps, right? Just because he's smaller, you know, faster, you know, and he's slowing down a little bit. He's no spring chicken, but but you know what I'm saying? Right. Witten Witten just didn't have any wheels. He just knew how to box you out and, and how to find the soft spots and zones. So I think Gronk's kind of in between Witten and, and Kelsey. Yeah, but again, I mean, with, with those long arms, the big mitts and, and, right. uh, and, and enough speed to get one step, that's all he needs. And you right. saw that on the fade route. I mean, that was, that was a, that was a decision right. that Brady knew where he was going with that. Speaking of AB and, and Gronk and kind of being this third wide receiver, let me ask you this, John, because this, this is something brought up in an, our post game pewter podcast. 
if AB gets cut, right, there's a chance he could be signed off the street by a contender. How much of that do you think could be a factor in the Bucks not wanting to see him in Los Angeles, Green Bay, right? Is is that a factor? Well, he's not going to get cut. <laughs> the right, biggest factor, yeah. Right. I mean, we've obviously written about it because Bruce has left it on the table, and that's so we're we're just being responsible journalists by saying, yeah. "Hey, Aaron just said he's not made a decision." You know, we're not right. going to put words in his mouth, but here we are on the podcast giving our opinion. Right. Yeah, he's not going to get cut, and that might be part of it. The big part of it is that they want to win the Super Bowl, and he helps them. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, he's not going to get cut. Will he get resigned in the offseason? I'm not sure. We'll see. The only way he gets cut, actually, I'll, I'll add this disclaimer, is if he does something dumb during these next couple weeks, right. which I wouldn't rule out with AB. So <laughs> let's just leave it on the table for now. As long as nothing changes, I don't think he's going to get cut. Um, I wonder how the team will approach him, even if they were like, even if they were like wanting to levy more discipline or whatever. Yeah. I don't think it would be they would cut him. They would just keep him. I mean, he's not costing them anything. Right. They would just keep him and not play him or keep him and fine him or bench him. I don't know what they would do, you know, put him yeah. on a reserve, whatever they want to do. Um, but that would be more likely to me than them just cutting him loose unless he does something else. So, so John, yeah, that's part of it. If you had some money and you wanted to put down a bet that mm. AB's not going to get cut, I would do it at my bookie. I don't know about Absolutely. you. Yeah, that's I would, what I would do. Yeah, Listen, you know, cryptocurrency. You a lot of money there. I, I've had a great run. These last two weeks have been very good, and I'm rooting for the Patriots tonight. Money line, baby. So this, this could be a, a big day to cap off a, a big weekend here. Cryptocurrency is the future. Don't get left in the past. Bet with my bookie, and you can get in on the game now. To get you kickstarted with crypto, use the pro the promo code Pewter to double your first crypto deposit of my bookie. So that's the thing. You can use the promo code Pewter to double your first deposit with cash or with crypto. The best part is my bookie accepts well-known cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum, so you can bet and withdraw with crypto. The NFL playoffs are around the corner. This week, the Buffalo Bills and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will face off in a potential Super Bowl preview. Bet both teams said one away from earning the top spot in the respective conference. So the stakes in this game are pretty high. Bet the Bucks money line. Don't miss out. Double your first deposit up to $1,000 with cash or crypto using promo code Pewter. Head over to MyBookie today. Place your bets and watch the sparks fly, too, with UFC Fight 269. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Yeah, it's great stuff. And getting back to that conversation a little bit uh, that we were talking about with Gronkowski, my kind of final point to this is I don't know that you can look at Gronkowski and you can look across the league and you can see better tight ends outside of Kelsey, Kittle, and Waller. Like yeah. those three guys are super talented. I know Waller's situation this year has been kind of all over the place, but those three guys obviously and Kittle too. I mean, Kittle's hurt and his quarterback play is not what Gronk's is, but those three guys. Okay. If you want to put them there. Okay. But I mean, like you're not taking any of these young bucks over Gronk. Like you're just not, I mean, maybe right. long-term obviously, but not, not, you need a game. Like you're not taking him. Like he's still right. that good. He led the league last year in vertical targets and vertical catches. That means 20 plus air yard catches and targets. So people can't run. Well, He's running and making and getting open and getting targets and getting catches better than anybody else in the league at the tight end position down the field. So you tell me what he can't do. I, I don't see a player that's dropped off. I just don't. So yeah, he's never been that. fast. It's never mattered. It doesn't matter for some guys. We've seen wide receivers where it doesn't matter. Sherman's a corner where it hasn't mattered. That's even more rare. But for tight ends, yeah, you can thrive. I mean, look at him. He just totally dominated, like physically overpowered. Eric Harris yesterday in coverage on that fade route touchdown that hasn't 
gone away. He's still as technically sound and as physical um, and as big and strong as he's ever been. The ball skills are still there. I just hope he keeps playing because he's just he's incredible to watch play the position because of how many different things he can do and the effort that he puts in to the game. And then just I always thought it was kind of like overdone when he played in New England, right? The whole like, oh, Gronk's so funny thing. And maybe it was when he was younger and he was just, you know, it was him partying every week. You know, it's just kind of yeah. like, all right, this gets old. But being able to interview him and like talk to him now, some it's yeah. just like amazing how genuinely like unassuming and humble oh, yeah. he is. Like yeah. it's just incredible. So I just think he's great for the locker room. Yep. The crazy thing is, is right now, if you were to take his his average, he's got 33 catches for 436 yards and he's missed five games. But if you were to take his current production, divide that by the number of games played, which is seven right now. And if you were to project that over a 17-game season, a hypothetical, right, um, you're looking at a Rob Gronkowski that has 1,482 yards and 15 touchdowns this season. So, like, that's yeah. how dominant he is, John. And, and we're not taking right numbers off one game either. Like, no, this was, what, five, six games now? He's, he's got six touchdowns in seven games he's played in. So it's like... A legitimate shot at double-digit touchdowns. Despite there's the no doubt about it. Like, <laughs> yeah, good portion of the season. It's right. Yeah, you are not talking about a normal tight end here. And I think the fact that Arians has kind of looked at last year and, and kind of what I was saying was at the end of last year, I went back, looked at the tape. I was like, Gronk had a 1,000-yard season, honestly. You know, I talked yeah. about this a lot on the show. And I, for anybody who's new, maybe it'll be your first time hearing it. But every single dude on the Bucks from – from um, Tyler Johnson, who obviously in his first year, to Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Scotty Miller, Antonio Brown, everybody on the roster for the Bucs had their best catch percentage of their careers mm-hmm. playing with Tom Brady last year. In other words, the best, the most efficient years of their career in terms of converting targets into catches. Everybody on the team, it was incredible. That's just right. the efficiency and the accuracy of Brady, especially compared to what they probably had before. Yeah. Um, but that was the number that just stood out to me. Gronkowski had his worst catch, per- catch percentage of his career. He's the only dude on the team. You'd expect <laughs> Brady to have this great chemistry. Right. And they were the ones that couldn't link up half the season. And some of it yeah. was Brady. He missed Gronk for a lot of big plays. Yeah, last the, the, year the Denver touchdown, over. right? The I mean, Denver week three, that would have been yeah. his first one. Yeah. There was one against the Panthers. There's a big yep. play on the first drive of the game against the Vikings That's last right. year. You know, I could go over and over the games and have all the plays noted and clipped. And I put them in an article actually and showed people like this is how many times Gronk was wide open down the field. And right. They just missed him because those two were off while everybody else Brady was <laughs> fine with. Meanwhile, people were talking about, does Brady like Mike Evans? Is he going to throw you? Know? Right. And it, the whole time it was just him and Gronk that couldn't get on the same page it's, and this year obviously couldn't be further from the truth but it's fun to great observation stuff figure it out yeah it's been cool so john we're gonna get to to bucks bills preview on wednesday but we would be remiss if we didn't point out that the bills are playing tonight against the patriots right mm-hmm. the bucks have already played the patriots that was a, a very close game in the rain brady's return to to foxborough a 1917 win closer than people expected mac jones was was not the mac jones that he's turned into now even Matt Judon wasn't the Matt Judon that like he's been playing right now. Those two guys are king the offense and defense for the Patriots. The Pats are on a roll right now. This is a big game for Buffalo tonight for sure, uh, says uh, uh, Deuce Flex Machina. I would agree with that. Um, let's let's talk just briefly about this. The question I want to ask you is twofold. Number one, is it better for the Buccaneers? 
if the Bills win tonight or lose tonight. They're already going to be on a short week, right? Um, and listen, I, I know that, that, that this really doesn't matter to players because really what happens outside of injuries in tonight's game does not have a whole lot of bearing um, on this game. Their momentum is real, so there could be some of that. But at the same time, momentum can work both ways, right? You can mm-hmm. feel like overinflated, like you just beat the Patriots almost to the point where there's a bit of a relief and you kind of take your foot off the gas because Monday's game against your division rival was, is actually bigger than this game against an NFC team in Tampa. Or if you lose, now you're kind of under the gun, not just in the division, but in the in the playoff race. It turns this game just for the sake of a victory into more of a, a must-win game for the Bills. So that's the first part of the question. Is there more pressure on the Bills to, tonight to you know to to come into Tampa with a win? Is it devastating if they lose? The second part of it is, would this Buccaneer team right now beat the Patriots right now in Foxborough? Yeah, first part of the question. I think it, I don't know that it matters for the Bucs whether the Bills win or lose in this game, but I will say, and I've no nothing to quantify this, but I wonder if like there's some level of desperation that kicks in for the Bills if they lose this game. I mean, they have really kind of screwed around a little bit. They got crushed by the Colts. They lost to the Jaguars on the yeah. road. Obviously, the Titans were playing well at that point in time, but losing to the Steelers in week one at home should never have happened to the bills. You know, they, they just could not yeah. get anything going in that game. So yeah, I think this is a bills team that is just kind of underwhelmed. I mean, they should not be seven and four right now. You know, people were kind of like, Oh, the bucks should be better than nine and three. Well, the bills, they got to feel feeling even worse because they went through three teams that they should beat. I mean, there's three teams in there. I'm not sure if they'll make the play. Now the Colts will probably make the playoffs, but I'm not sure. I know Jacksonville won't. I'm not sure about the Steelers and they've lost to those teams. And yeah. even the Titans, they're more talented than all four of the teams that they've lost to. I don't think there's right. a question there. Now they don't have Trey White, who is a one of their maybe their best defensive player, probably yeah. their best defensive player. And so that makes a big difference for them. Now they have two great safeties, but they have basically a completely unproven secondary. I mean, Levi Wallace has been okay for them. Teron Johnson has been a good nickel for them. There's some limitations there, though. Right. It'll be a fun matchup with Ian Godwin for sure. I just think in general, Buffalo needs to start getting things going, you know, and they've got the Patriots, the Bucks, the Panthers, which should be yeah. win, and the Patriots over the next four weeks. So we're going to learn a lot about them, but right. they've already got four losses. I mean, they're going to probably lose the division if they lose tonight and especially in the next I would game. Agree. There's not a lot of margin for error for them. Yeah. So that desperation, if they were to lose on Monday night and get this fall to seven and five would be at an all time high. And yep. they would be, you know, it's that kind of that loss where you, okay, you the Chiefs, they went to three and four, right? Right. They've, they've not lost since. They've not yep. even played that much better. I still, there's that many, there's still questions, but right. the desperation caused them to go to the board and change things. And other teams have not been as prepared for the things that they've changed because right. of that. So there's that concern if they were to reach that mode. So yeah, I want the Bills to win tonight, I think. In terms of the Patriots, yep. I still have questions. Tonight we'll go a long way toward answering those questions. If you watch the Patriots against the Titans, and I had the, I don't know if I would call it pleasure of watching that game, Mac <laughs> Jones was brutally bad, brutally yeah. bad. I mean, and they won that game convincingly, so nobody probably looked at it, and his numbers were fine, I think, at the end of the game. But the Titans dropped multiple interceptions. There were multiple missed wide-open receivers, um, and the Titans had at least one pick six, just clear sailing, and they dropped it. So I just want to see because the defense is playing unbelievable right mm-hmm. now for the Patriots. I have no question about that. There's no defense, I believe, in the NFL right now that's playing better than New England's defense. Right. But they've beaten 
you know, uh, the Chargers, who was a good win, but I still don't know what the Chargers are week to week. <laughs> you know, they're yeah. beating the Jets, the Panthers, the Browns have been terrible, the Falcons, and they've done it with great defense, no question. They've given lots of opportunities to their offense. They've had tons of takeaways. I just still have questions with the rookie quarterback, not whether he's going to be good long-term, whether he's going to be able to be win a Super Bowl this year. So I'd right. still take the Bucks if they played the Patriots today, but it's, it would be fun. I mean, the Bucks played way better than the point margin would suggest in week four. And yeah. so I think that that should be included in any analysis of the way these two teams match up because they should have won by a lot more and they only didn't because they shot themselves in the foot a lot. So, yeah, I, I, I think the interesting thing about this is the bills can't run the ball and they can't stop the run. And whenever you come in really one dimensional, especially on both sides of the ball, you're playing right into Bill Belichick's hands because the mm-hmm. first thing Bill Belichick says is I want to take away what you do best. Right. And I want to exploit what you don't do well. And when you make it easy for him, when he turns the film on and it's pretty apparent when he looks at the stats and, and it's pretty lopsided, um, you know, in, in one direction that that makes his job and the coaching staff for the Patriots job a lot easier. And so it will be interesting to see if, if the Bills can maybe break some tendencies tonight and and, uh, you know, and, and actually establish a little bit more of a running game. That's been a real struggle. And if they can also stop the run, because I would suspect that the Patriots are really, really going to try to test that uh, after seeing the way that Jonathan Taylor ran over them two weeks ago, three weeks mm-hmm. ago. Um, they're going to be, you know, in for a challenge there. Um, you know, the, the the other thing, too, John, is um, when it comes to this, this Bills game, to me, I, I remember – the Bucks Seahawks game in 2016. The Bucks weren't that good in 2016. The Seahawks came to town. This was Russell Wilson. This is Richard Sherman, right? This this is a really good um, Steelers Steelers the Seahawks team that, that came here. The Seahawks were favored. It was a big game that actually either sold out or got super close to a sellout. Like a thousand seats, mm-hmm. you know, were undersold. This is kind of back in the, the you know, Legion of Boom. Uh, and the Buccaneers pulled the upset. I think they won 14 to five in that game. Evans had two first quarter touchdowns on Richard Sherman. And Ray J was absolutely rocking. It was it was a, an amazing electric environment, really similar to mm-hmm. to what we saw opening day against the Cowboys. It was mm-hmm. that type of atmosphere for a regular season game. Mm-hmm. I think that this Bills Bucks game is going to have that really big game feel to it. Uh, that the Bucks really haven't had a whole bunch of. Um, I, I, say what you want. I mean, they've had some great wins this year, right? They have blowout wins against the Bears, blowout win against the Dolphins at home. But those games didn't have the juice that this one's going to have mm-hmm. because of their opponent. Yeah, for sure. Bill Buffalo is going to be as tough a team as they'll play. I mean, the Rams were tough in week three. They came out of the gate yeah. harder than I thought they would. And then, you know, they've gotten actually worse since then. I, I think, know. But, uh, they, they got off the side a little bit against Jacksonville, but it's Jacksonville. So we'll see. But I'm just curious what Buffalo is made of, man. Like they lose a guy, you yeah. lose a guy like Trey White. You've gone through a lot. You've just been all over the place as a team, game to game. You did not expect that from Buffalo. Even when they've not been that good, they've been kind of consistently who they are since McDermott got there. And over the last couple of years, they've just, you, you expect a level of play out of them you haven't gotten every single week. So I'm just curious can they get it together over these last month or so? Yeah. the season you know i think that that's just a huge that's a huge question for the afc and it's a huge question for this upcoming game too you know what kind of yeah. team is tampa gonna face because like it or not tampa bay's been fine and nobody's really you know there's so few great teams this year that it's you know hard to call anybody really 
super battle tested that has a great record right now. Everybody's kind of won some, lost some against other good teams, but you, you, you know, it's going to be important for the Bucks playing against a quality opponent again, and then they're going to finish the season right. against, you know, four teams with losing records that probably aren't going to the playoffs. Um, yeah, I think it, this is a this is a good measuring stick game coming off three straight wins. You're going back to home. This should be a game where you're focused, you're ready to go, you're comfortable. You know, it has kind of they're, they're they're without their best corner in the Bills. You know, the, the their safeties are are tremendous. Um, right. But there's winnable matchups here. They you mentioned they've struggled a little bit against the run, and their numbers have been better than last year i think but you know can you run against them a little bit and then defensively you know obviously they're going to be a huge challenge i mean josh allen right. containing him and, and getting him down in the oh, pocket, yeah. you know how many sacks this team's missed so i'm yep. excited to talk about it on wednesday because i think it's going to be a matchup with lots of layers to it but i'm really excited to watch uh, monday night's game too because i think we'll learn no a doubt lot about it uh so we have a question here uh, do you think that raymond james will hand out the battle flags for our playoff game next month you're going all the way back to 2002 when the bucks had a playoff game against the 49ers, the Jeff Garcia, Steve Mariucci 49ers that came in. I think they had lost 31 to 3. Terrell Owens was on that team. The Bucs just blew him out at home. That was really one of the, the games where the, the John Gruden offense finally kind of came to life. And we're waiting all season because the defense was so dominant all year for this offense to come to life. Brad Johnson had missed some time with a, a back injury, broke a, a vertebrae in his back. Rob Johnson had to come in and Win some well, the defense won the games, but he served as the quarterback for a couple of mm -hmm. weeks, and uh, and all of a sudden Ray J was rocking. They had these these battle flags. I still have one of mine right here somewhere. I got to find it, but uh, it was an amazing spectacle. And I think they did that in two thousand five, maybe two thousand seven for their whole playoff game. So I would suspect that the Bucks might do that again. Makes for a great yeah, uh, you know, atmosphere when that when that happens. Um, yeah, but 31 6. Yeah, 31. And then it yeah. was 31 in, in single digits. Hey, listen, if you want to hear more about music, sports, and culture live and get in depth with these things, Spotify Green Room is the place to go. You can download it on the App Store, or get it on Google Play. You can jump in these rooms. You can take the mic. You can give your opinion on any of these topics. If you want to do it about the Bucks, make sure you're following Pewter Report on there. Get the notifications when we go live. But Spotify Green Room, man, lots of great content on there. Great place to voice your opinion and hear the opinions of others and get involved in some great discussions as well. So make sure you check out that on the App Store or get it on google play all right scott so we're looking ahead now uh obviously this week uh tuesday we're not gonna have a show obviously tomorrow but we are working right. on some some special content to give you on youtube so everybody make sure if you're not make sure you're subscribed make sure you hit the thumbs up and the like button on this show uh to help us out that boosts our youtube seo and does a, a really nice job for us you guys have been instrumental in getting that subscriber count to be growing quickly so we appreciate awesome. that yeah. but there's also going to be x's and o's content coming this week paul's texting yes. me about an idea he has that we're working on so hopefully we'll be able to get something up tomorrow and they later in the week for y'all as well keep growing out the youtube content and keep expanding what we're doing uh for sure so if you like that kind of content make sure you're subscribed make sure you're Help us out with promotion. Help us out spreading the word. Help us out hitting the like button on these videos. That stuff all matters. The super chats, all of it helps us out a ton and allows us to put more money and time into developing and building out what we do on YouTube, which I think is is some of the content you'll enjoy the most. So we definitely right. appreciate that. Uh, but Wednesday we'll be back. Scott and I will have the preview show for Buccaneers Bills, and we'll have Looking obviously that, to it. The, the Bills numbers and, and recent performance uh, to evaluate as well on that show, what, talking about what they did against New England and how that matters for the Bucs game too. So 
we'll have all that coming up on Wednesday show. And then Thursday we'll be back as well with another show, 4 p.m. Eastern. So we're excited about those shows. It should be a great time. Terrence, appreciate you loving the all 22 stuff. Uh, we've loved great doing stuff. it for sure. So we'll be back on those shows and you'll see us up here on YouTube with some of that all 22 stuff this week as well. So until then, thanks so much, everybody, for listening to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out.